Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow dietitian. I'm a coach to my fellow female colleagues all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that focus on sales. I'm here today with Carla Moreno Bryce. She's a vegan registered dietitian based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and is the founder of Nutritious Vida. Carla specializes in vegan nutrition for infants, toddlers, and children and supports moms feeding and their kids a healthy vegan diet for proper growth and development. In learning about the misinformation and lack of support moms had of their choices in feeding their kids a vegan diet, Carla uses her voice and passion for veganism on social media to provide support to moms who choose to raise their kids on a vegan diet and advocate for compassion for animals. Carla is a first-time mom to a little girl named Camilla and along with her husband, Luke, they are raising her on a vegan diet. Carla is also fluent in Spanish and only speaks Spanish to her daughter. Welcome to today's episode. I love that fun fact. (laughs) Thank you, Livia. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really happy to have you and to share your story. Can you uh, just remind us where to find you on social and on uh, your website? Of course. My website is nutritiousvita.com, and you can find me on Instagram at vegan.kits.nutrition. Excellent. And if you could just go in a little bit more, I know the bio explained a little bit about who you are and, and what you represent. Can you talk to us about your nutrition philosophy with you know, relation to veganism? Of course. Yeah. I feel like my nutrition philosophy is a little bit different than others. <laughs> I, I really aim at aligning my values with my food choices. I am passionate about leading a compassionate lifestyle and I do so by following a vegan diet. And, you know, veganism is a philosophy where it aims at reducing the exploitation of animals, whether that's for food entertainment, uh, or cosmetics. And so my nutrition philosophy really depicts for anyone that depicts the essence of what veganism is. And I believe a vegan diet is nutritionally adequate for anyone in the life cycle. But more than that, it's really an eating pattern and a way of life that in the end helps reduce animal cruelty. That's beautiful. And I I absolutely love how you show that so clearly on Instagram. So for those of you who aren't following Carla, or if you don't know who she is, make sure to give her a follow, check her out on social media and support her message because I've learned a lot more about veganism, especially with veganism and and nutritional needs for kids. Would you be able to go a little bit deeper because I am familiar with your work and your biography on your website. And I know, Mm -hmm. especially you said in the bio, you know, you speak Spanish. Can you talk a little bit about your culture how long you've been vegan and kind of like how that's affected you personally and then translated to the work that you do to serve clients around the world. Yeah. I mean, growing up in a Mexican household, meat and dairy were really part of, you know, our cultural meals, chicken, pork, and dairy were all part of practically every meal. And so that was normal for me. It wasn't until college, maybe 11 or 12 years ago, where I was given a pamphlet about factory farming that I truly began to question my food choices. And because of this pamphlet, I came across the book called Eating Animals by Jonathan Safer and Four that really solidified my passion for caring for better treatment for animals. My parents always instilled in me that I should be kind to others. And so I should treat others the way that I want to be treated. And in exploring my food choices, I really 
made that connection to extend that value that I grew up with to animals. It's almost like, well, if I show kindness to people, why can't I do the same for animals who experience love and connection the same way we do? And so that thought sort of sparked my interest in adopting a more compassionate way of eating and gradually led to a vegan diet. And now because I'm so passionate about this lifestyle, I truly want to help others, inspire them to raise their kids on a vegan diet if that's what they choose and really empower them to do so because it it can feel lonely to really um, be in this lifestyle and choose to raise kids on a vegan diet. And so that's where I use uh, my social media platform to really use it as a voice to empower other vegan moms, but also advocate for animals. That's beautiful. And we're definitely going to talk more about all of that. Thank you for sharing the behind the scenes and, and your background and upbringing and how that, you know, your background has connected you to where you are today. Yeah. So now that we've gone over your philosophy and your connection with veganism and, and how you're able to translate that into your marketing message, can you talk about your business journey versus where you started out and where you are now with regard to growing your, your business and, and reaching more people? Yeah, I can say that I am a different person and I have a much stronger business since having a marketing plan. When I started my virtual private practice, um, I think it was March 2017 around there, I didn't really have a marketing plan. I had no idea what marketing was or how to effectively sell my services. And I wish I knew more about social media marketing back then. Because what I know now about marketing really, after working with you, has really changed and elevated my business. Um, In the past, I relied a lot on word of mouth and listing my services on different platforms to get clients. But I just wasn't growing as fast as I wanted to. Many colleagues said um, to accept insurance because that would allow me to grow faster. But I really didn't want to take insurance. And so... I felt frustrated that I couldn't really make my practice work the way that I had hoped. And I was ready to quit, but I knew that there had to be another way. And that's when I turned um, to social media marketing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I really struggled with how to make a clear message. And I didn't quite know who my ideal client was. I didn't have a strategy for posting on Instagram, but... Now, after working with you, I have a better understanding for how to market my services and more importantly, how to sell my services through social media and marketing feels a whole lot easier. And I want to say almost fun. That's great. Well, let's go ahead and say it. Let's just take out the almost and let's <laughs> yes. send that message. So can you talk about like what helped you hone in on your message? Because I think anybody that sees you now would have no clue that you ever didn't know what you were doing. I feel like your message is super clear and you do a really great job at honing in on the pain points of the ideal client who you're Mm -hmm. serving. So how, what helped you get to the point where you are today? In terms of finding, um, you know, my message and my ideal client, I really think it was knowing what, what was important to me and knowing who I wanted to help. And I think it definitely took some time to figure that out. But the more that I did sort of trial and error through social media, I think that helped me not only know who my ideal client was, but who I was passionate about um, helping. Yeah. 
And and can you talk about when it comes to social media specifically, um, what is your process like for creating content on Instagram? I think it stems from using social media as kind of marketing strategy. So I create content primarily based from questions I get through DMs, common themes I hear through sales calls or questions from actual clients. And so all of this really serves as market research for me. And then I put these ideas or questions on Google Doc and pull from those to create content for the week. It's incredible. And I love using uh, Google Keep Notes since it really integrates well with my phone. And so I lay out my post ideas for the week, write my captions there. And it's just a really simple process that I have, but there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Absolutely. And thank you for breaking down the logistics of the tools that you use and exactly how you're able to curate relevant information for the type of person that you're trying to market to. Because I think anybody listening can learn a lot from you sharing that process. And if we were to back up just a little bit from when you mm-hmm. weren't as clear, because a lot of people might be listening and saying, well, how does she know what people want from clients if you don't have clients or if you don't have a lot of clients or yeah. you know, if you don't have clients in your niche? So when you were, before you had all the clients and mm-hmm. the, um, the community and conversations around what you're doing now, what helped you get started and create content that wasn't as focused? Meaning like when your content wasn't as amazing, it was amazing, but not amazing times 10, right? Yeah. How did you, how did the process build is what I'm saying? It really stemmed from, you know, not just posting things randomly or anything that I thought would be beneficial to others. I think it really had to do with posting um, with a strategy and purpose and something that was meaningful to my audience. And going back to kind of in uh, figuring out who my audience was, that was really where, you know, kind of this marketing or um, market research. Yeah. (laughs) Where it stemmed from just me beginning to post a single meal that I created for my daughter. And I think that that was the starting point of where I knew who my ideal client was and who my audience was. You know, like most dietitians, I was afraid to niche down. And so if I were to talk about where I found my audience and why I niched down to vegan kids uh, nutrition, um, you know, I thought about really niching down, but I didn't really know where that would lead me. And I was afraid of not being able to find clients. But I think in the end, it really did help me because it allowed me to grow faster. um, And it allowed me to impact more people. That's beautiful. I like to think that, you know, I didn't choose my niche, but my niche found me, Um, you know, as I mentioned, at the time that I was trying to niche down and truly find my audience. Again, it really it wasn't until I started sharing photos of vegan meals that I provided to uh, my daughter that I knew this would be something to focus on. I, there was a lot of interest in those posts that I shared about the meals of my daughter that I created. And so I kept doing more of that because that's what I found that there was more engagement and more conversations uh, with people. And so, you know, aside from getting more followers and more engagement on those posts, I learned that there was just a lot of misinformation about providing a vegan uh, diet to kids. And more than anything, I discovered that parents just didn't have the support that they needed 
to raise their kids or their infant toddler and their child on a vegan diet. And so I wanted to be their support and a resource for them because I knew that this was really needed. And so that's when I decided to niche down to vegan kids nutrition because there wasn't anything out there for this age group or this community. And as a vegan mom myself, (laughs) I really wanted to provide support to parents who choose to raise their kids on a vegan diet because I had been there. You know, I, I knew what it was like to feel alone, judged and afraid to speak of my choice to raise my kids on a vegan diet. And so I empathize with these vegan moms and that kind of led to to more conversations and more connections with other people around this community. And so that's essentially in a nutshell how I found my audience. That's beautiful. And I really appreciate you bringing it back because it's so easy (laughs) to say now, oh, it's market research. And I look at what my clients say. And that is true. And it is a little advanced for those who don't have, maybe listeners that have clients, but they're not related to what they're trying to market or listeners who don't have enough clients or or listeners who just aren't even there yet. Mm-hmm. So what I love is that you broke it down and you said you're doing the same thing when you started that you are now at a, at a higher level. When you started, you put out content related to something that you have a personal connection with. You saw there was more engagement with photos of your daughter's meals. So you did more of that yeah. and that got you more market research, more information about what people want. And you do the same thing now at a deeper level. So now you're getting more, it sounds like engaged commentary from paying clients about that topic. So you're able to get a deeper um, you know, more clear message and just build off of what you started, if I got that correct. That's right. And you said it beautifully. <laughs> yeah. And, and I also really like how you um, just got started because you are a pioneer in the niche. And I can see a lot of women that want to do a specialty or they want to dive into an area, but they feel afraid because mm-hmm. they don't know if it's viable and they don't know if they're the only one. So do you have any tips for listeners who want to do something, whether it's veganism or for kids, right? Or whether it's some kind of a, a, a problem that they're solving where it's unique and they feel like an outsider, what, what tips do you have for that, that person listening? I think you should just go for it. You should really try it because, you know, just talking from personal experience, I didn't know if this was going to work or if this was going to take me somewhere in starting this audience or this community of nutrition for kids. And so if there was one tip that I would offer anyone who would want to get started on something or who may be hesitant about, you know, advocating for a certain topic, I would say to just just try it and see where that gets you. Because in the end, if you don't try it, then you may regret it later, later on. And so, you know, at least if you tried it and it didn't work, then you said, well, I tried it. Let's, let's try something else. Yeah. It's a great attitude to have. And I feel like there's dietitians and I know you know this who say my niche is too saturated. I can't do it. Or there's other dietitians that say my niche is too um, obscure. I can't do it. And what you're saying is that just give it a try. If you're passionate, do, you know, experiment, see what sticks, you know, listen and engage in those conversations and then do more of what's working to find your path. Yes, that's exactly right. And I remember also along your journey, some things, if you're open to talking about when, when you first, or when I first started working with you, you would do posts in Spanish and English, and you also Mm -hmm. didn't show your face as much, or you didn't connect with your higher purpose as much. Can you talk about like the nuances of how you approach your 
you know, your, your passion and even small things like language and how you're able to, to market that? What have, has that affected how you market, whether it's productivity or perception from the audience? Yes. I remember, you know, prior to working with you, I was trying to do posts in Spanish and English because, again, it comes back to that being afraid of, well, am I going to reach enough people? And so when I learned that doing things in, you know, two languages might confuse certain people and it really wasn't the best strategy for marketing, I just completely switched and just focused on making posts in English. And that helped because it really helped me attract my ideal client and the, the person that I really wanted to work with. And my ideal client spoke English. And so that has really helped me, um, you know, not only attract leads, but also have clients from social media. That's amazing. And, and also the productivity side, right? Because even though you're fluent in Spanish, it takes double the time. I remember your stories were in Spanish and English or translated in captions. I remember thinking like, that's got to take a lot of time. I appreciate that you're doing that, but is that exactly what your ideal client wants? Like, how can we make this more easy for you to get your message across? Yes. And it was time consuming. And, you know, looking back at it, it was not going to be sustainable just because of, of the time that it required to not only do the post and then the captions, which the captions I feel that um, took and take the longest. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, of uh, captions, how has your process been like with using words to market what you're doing? How do you, do you feel that you're able to start conversations by talking about the, the struggles that the women who you serve over captions? How has that evolved? Yeah, I mean, the way that I was doing captions back then before actually using Instagram as my business tool or, you know, as, as a way to market my services, it was just really providing nutritional tips And so I thought that that was the best thing to do because that's what people wanted. (laughs) But then I switched to really telling stories and, you know, not just any kind of story, but really stories of what I heard from vegan moms who reached out to me or stories from my actual clients or my personal stories too in feeding my daughter. And I think that that actually has really increased engagement in my posts and using the language that my ideal client is so important. And, you know, at first, yes, that was a struggle for me to do and to identify what language they use and the words that they use. But once I just took those words and inserted into my captions, I feel that people feel that they can resonate with what I'm saying. And I think that that actually has helped me, um, you know, get clients from that. That's great. Yeah. Building because conversations are what leads to sales calls and leads Mm -hmm. to making money and clients. And speaking of clients and offers, can you talk a little bit about your creation of your your recipe book and anything you might want to share about the services that you offer and sell using social media, Instagram? Yeah. So right now I am pre-selling a digital cookbook. And this really stems from what my audience was were asking. And this was something that I began to create as a way, because that was something that they wanted. And I think for many of us who want to create, you know, some sort of uh, digital product or, you know, anything uh, based online or a program, it really has to be what 
you know, our audience wants. So you're saying the digital product has to be what your audience wants and has that's helped you by listening to what they want, create something that they need and sell it? Correct. Yes. Amazing. And are you comfortable saying how much money you've been able to make from pre-selling something that they asked you to make? Yes. So it's only been, I want to say, you know, we're going into three weeks of just launching the the pre-sale of that digital cookbook. And I've been able to sell over $2,500, which is pretty incredible to know that that's something that can actually happen for all of us. Yeah. I love that message. And for the listeners who might not know what pre-sell is, can you break down like what that means for your audience and how you were, it's it's a really incredible story. So (laughs) if you could just share that. So pre-selling really means to not sell something before you create it, instead gather or validate your idea, but getting interest of your audience um, before you actually create it. And so Right now that I'm pre-selling, my digital cookbook is not complete. I'm actually just in the process of getting starting and putting it together. And so when you pre-sell, it actually saves you time and resources, really, to create something that your audience really wants. So that is probably the, like the gold standard of how you can make money faster and create content that they want. But I know a lot of listeners are going to be very scared to think, wait a minute, I am too much of a perfectionist. Like I can't, I, I feel too awkward selling something before it's ready, right? Do you have any feedback or tips about either how you work through those emotions or how somebody else might be able to wrap their head around the, the concept of, of selling something before it's ready? Yeah. And I get why they would feel that way. I mean, I myself felt very hesitant and uncomfortable to really put out something without it being complete. And so I can get where, you know, our perfectionists can come from and that fear to really try to sell something before it's done. And I think, you know, again, it comes back to just trial and error. So if you put something out and not that many people are interested in, then you know it's not something that your audience wants. And it's something to, you know, be aware that you kind of just have to go back and see what your audience really wants, what's their pain points, what's their problems, and how you as the expert in that area can really help solve them. Amazing. It's, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for inspiring the listeners to work through their perfectionism and focus on meeting their audience and their audience's needs. And, and my actual favorite part from that story, Carla, is that you created this opportunity. And I say opportunity because you created it after they bought it, right? Yeah, um, but you, exactly. you created a landing page in an, a way for them to pay you based on what they said they wanted. And so you didn't make it up. You didn't do it for you. You created mm-hmm. something that they told you would help them. And that's how you're able to make money and create impact, right? Because people aren't going to buy something they don't want or need. So it, it sounds obvious, but you have to listen to the words people are saying. And if you don't know the words they're saying, you got to do some digging and, and start to you start from the basics. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. And a uh, couple more questions as we wrap up here. I, you, you know, Obviously, you're a mom and your niche is based around helping kids. I know you talked about your daughter earlier. Mm-hmm. How do you manage you know, building, growing a business and getting a marketing plan in order with being a mom? Do you have any tips about how you're able to make that all work? 
I wish there was a perfect time for that. You know, it, it's challenging being a mom and running a business. It's it's not easy. I mean, I find myself just like I was telling you earlier, just feeling stressed, but it's totally doable. You can have, you know, your private practice and online business and be a mom. I think I have learned how to be productive with my time. Yeah. Um, you know, my time is very limited and cold. <laughs> so yeah. my daughter is taken care of for just three and a half hours in the morning. And this is the time that I conduct my sales calls. I have my sessions with my clients. And then I only have about one to two hours at night um, when my daughter goes to bed. And that's usually when I rep- reply to emails or um, take the time to really create content. So my schedule now is not really ideal, but it's what I have available at the moment. And I use my time wisely. So, But I will say that I'm very grateful for my husband who has been so supportive uh, through my journey because I really couldn't have done it alone. That's nice. And I've noticed a theme with, um, you know, my guests and clients who say that their support system at home um, is helpful and surrounding yourself by a support system that encourages you is, I mean, it sounds obvious, but it really is important. So that communication and being able to, um, you know, communicate about what you need and and how you're able to set certain hours for you, certain hours for the family. um, It's hard, right? I mean, it's hard for me and I'm not even a mom yet. (laughs) Yes. I mean, as you mentioned it, it is hard to really communicate what you need or what help you need. And I, but I feel that it's so helpful once you do say, you know, I, I really need help with this. I think it, it helps you just feel a little bit more, a more sense of ease. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the last thing I want to talk about, I feel that this has been such a great conversation where you've been inspiring and you've talked about your process and how somebody who's just starting uh, can get some tips and somebody who's even more intermediate can get inspired to, to dive deeper. I want to talk about like the level of vulnerability and building the know, like, and trust with showing more uh, photos of um, mm-hmm. you with animals and compassion and even you using words and letter boards and, and um, having conversations about the, the support that is needed in your community for the shame and guilt that women raising vegan kids experience and how incorporating that in your message has helped you connect with more women. I, I don't think I would have been able to do that without your help, but just being able to really post photos of me with animals has really, you know, built connection with my audience. And I think in terms of just, you know, giving a tip for someone who would want to do that, um, you know, to build that trust or that know, like, and trust with others. I really think it comes down to really showing that you care about your audience. I think it helps set you apart from others because it allows you to nurture that relationship with the community you've built and showing that I care stems a lot from my one word in my business, which is compassion. And I think that just having that one word in my mind about what I put out into, into my account has really helped, you know, not only build relationships with my audience, but really build the no like and trust. That's beautiful. So you've taken your one word and you've been able to use your vulnerability with that one word to connect with your audience and mm-hmm. create more impact and inevitably like more income with your digital products and services. Definitely. And it didn't come easy. You know, I, I felt uh, hesitant to really show vulnerability and I struggled with knowing 
what that would even look like. But I think in the end, it has really helped, you know, build what I have now, which I feel it's sort of a tribe of vegan moms. That's absolutely really incredible. I love that you decided it and you just did it. You said, I'm going to do this and you experimented and and you went out there and you're a leader in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, One last question about vulnerability. Do you have a tip for the listeners of how they might be able to um, be more vulnerable because it is a really hard thing for us to even think about, let alone actually start posting something somewhat vulnerable? Yeah, I think if you can show something... um, of you that relates to what you know your niche is then that would really help to to show that vulnerability and it doesn't have to be you know your personal story of you know whatever you may be um helping your audience with but just something enough where people can really resonate with with what you do absolutely and for you that's been compassion with animals and conversations that women have about being shamed as a vegan mom. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. It's just nice to give those examples because you think some (laughs) listeners don't even know what vulnerability means. And it, you know, so I like how you said, it doesn't have to be personal about you. It could be an experience that's Mm -hmm. difficult and and emotionally resonating. And that really does create connections. And I would say the most stripped down way to be vulnerable and the easiest way possible is just to show your face. Because if you don't know what to do when in doubt, showing that you're a human being behind, uh, you know, your Instagram feed Mm -hmm. is a great way to just start. And it, you know, it could go anywhere from there, but just letting people know that you're a living, breathing human being is, is a good way to just show up. Yeah. I do think that that is important because so much of the time, you know, we have certain trust issues with big companies. And so when we do actually show who's behind this account or who's behind um, this brand, it really helps people, you know, connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carla, for joining today. Any other final words you want to leave us with or any other final thoughts? Um, if you have anyone who's interested, um, in raising their kids on a vegan diet or just want resources or anything that I could help with, you can reach out at my Instagram account, vegan.kids.nutrition. Fantastic. Thank you for listening. The next step to continue pursuing your journey includes applying to my next group program. You can find that on my website under group coaching and apply. You can also grab my free workbook, also listed on my website and go through the exercises so that you can get more clear with your marketing plan, which is going to help you get one step closer to creating the money and impact that you deserve.